have a seat, grab a pint, and get comfortable for tonight's episode where we discuss a handful of new RPGs that have recently released on Switch. I'm your host and man still neck deep in Final Fantasy ports, David Lloyd, and joining me tonight is reviews editor for Nintendo World Report and man who thinks the 16-bit era ended too soon, Mr. Jordan Rudick. David, in my mind, the 16-bit era never ended. I just kind of live here constantly, you know, I (laughs) I just miss it. I miss it so much. Yeah, time is a loop. Pretty much, yeah. I, it's nice to it's nice to get some games that do kind of bring you bring you back to that time period. But really, nothing. I don't think anything has ever been that good. Still, I, it's still the pinnacle of RPGs for me. And our other panelist, Nintendo World Report owner and fellow beer drinker, Mister Neil Ronahan. I'm not drinking beer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had like half a bottle of wine earlier tonight. Um, that's, that's it. Had to had to keep your wits above, keep your wits yeah. for the. No, it's American more that I, I just got out of another podcast, so I had to make sure I was lucid for for both of my my back to back, my double my double uh my double shift. I guess not all of your podcasts is as lenient with alcohol as we are. Yeah, no Nintendo News Report. Surprisingly, Donald's uh, uh real drill sergeant. Um, I had to take a sobriety test before every Nintendo News Report. Um, and he'll shame me whenever I drink alcohol. Yeah. Well, and you also wouldn't want to be demonetized on uh, YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is true. All right. Well, since I'm the only one uh, with the beer tonight, I will just go ahead and say I've I've got a, a Noir de Chamblay. That is, uh, it's from the same brewery as the La Fin de Mon. It's a Unibrow. Oh. And it's uh, it's one of the first black ales in Quebec that was not made according to the British brewing tradition. It's a Belgian style, and it's uh, if you like dark, this is a true dark. It's uh, it's a dark beer with a smoky finish, a six percent, and it's uh, it's won about thirteen. They they say they've won thirteen World Beer Awards. So based on based on the texture and flavor, I, I would say it's probably about right. David, did you pick a Belgian beer to increase our Spotify viewership in Belgium? <laughs> well, I, I, I saw that we're we're slowly growing from Netherlands, so I figure Belgium's the next the next closest country. Makes sense, right? We'll just do the whole European horn there. Um, yeah. I do want to. I do want to. I'm not drinking alcohol. I, you know, I, I I often don't, as 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 you know. Um, but I do want to cap off, or maybe kind of give the conclusion to the story from two weeks ago. So I told you guys I was going down to Seattle for a bachelor party. And obviously, I'm going to keep it PG here. But one of the things that I like to do when I go down to the States is buy two things that we don't have in Canada, or at least we don't have these all the different types in Canada. And that's uh, soft drinks and cereal. So in cer- the, the cereal choices and the, yeah, the pop or soda soft, uh, choices in Canada are, are definitely lacking compared to what you'd get in, in America. So uh, what I am drinking tonight is a cherry Coke 
which I know we'd mentioned on the podcast at some point. Uh, just a drink we don't, for whatever reason, at least in Vancouver, we don't have Cherry Coke. So I brought a 12-pack up with me. I'm drinking that right now. Uh, and I, man, it was, it's one of the highlights of my trip going down there is coming <laughs> back with all these goodies uh, that I cannot get up here. and I just totally savor it. Um, and hopefully I'll get a chance to go down and resupply soon. I'm going to I'm gonna start uh, every podcast with you. I'm going to make sure I have cherry Coke, and I'm going to pour it down the drain oh. live <laughs> to start a show. Uh, honestly, like it, it's, it's good. I think I prefer vanilla Coke, and I regret not buying vanilla Coke when I was down there. Yeah, van- I, I liked cherry Coke when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, vanilla Coke. I think like I don't know the total history. Like sometimes it's kind of fascinating to me to like look at like food mm-hmm. trends with different companies. Like I remember when vanilla Coke was introduced. I think it was in the nineties sometime. And I remember like, oh, this is really cool. And then it just went away. Mm-hmm. And then a couple years ago, it was just like a part of the regular rotation. Yeah. Anyway. And like like I, it's not necessarily like everywhere I go, but like if I'm going to a convenience store, vanilla Coke. It's not even special it. anymore. It's just regular. Like it, it's a regular selection now. Yeah. It's, a, it's a type of Coke. Like I, I don't I don't know that yeah. you'd find it in a restaurant per se. Like they're not going to say, do you no. want Coke or vanilla Coke, sir? But you know, it's just the fact that you can get it regularly at a convenience store or a, or a you know supermarket or something like that's pretty cool to me. So humorously, uh, lots of store or lots of restaurants that i've been to have cherry coke is that right okay that's cool (laughs) yeah yeah it's not once again not every single one but like that i've seen that happen more often although maybe maybe it's more that it's cherry pepsi Mm. that has become that ubiquitous but it's it would that would be a reason that would get me to come i would go to a restaurant if it was decent if i knew they had like cool drinks like that like that would entice me i feel like this is i feel like this is reminding me a lot of like uh, in in the the mid to late nineties, like drinking bottles of surge with friends, <laughs> yeah. and and you know what? There might have been times where I was hanging out with a friend. We played some Super Nintendo RPGs. I, I'm sure like, that we happened. sat down, played some, some Super Mario RPG and Chrono Trigger. And, and in 2019, you know what? I'm not gonna do. I'm not gonna sit down with that friend and go play Shadows of Adam, a a new indie rpg that is a throwback to the super nintendo era from circle entertainment and oh god what's the something classic is that is that the name of the developer yes that is the name of the developer uh, which is very apt this is definitely something classic <laughs> i have the website brought up there is a paragraph that starts off at the top of shadowsofadam.com that i'm going to read for you for you lads right let's now. hear it When you're keeled over, hands on your knees, spitting out the grit that last monster knocked into your teeth, maybe then you'll understand. Shadows of Adam is no walk in the park. It is a new age retro RPG built for the modern era. Challenging battles, cryptic puzzles, and rapid fire plot keep your adrenaline pumping from start to finish in this nostalgia-provoking RPG. I will... My... Before I, I pass it over to you guys, I will say, I wish that was the game that I played, because it sure as shit was not <laughs> the game that I played five hours of. Are you trying to say your adrenaline wasn't pumping? Uh, I mean, something was pumping. It was my eyes trying to stay awake during some of these cutscenes. Neil, you cannot, you cannot honestly tell me that this RPG is not nostalgia-provoking. 
Oh well, no, no, that's accurate. That's the accurate. I think that's the most. Is. I think it's the most but accurate it, phrase in that description you read for us. <laughs> but but I think the problem is that it's nostalgia provoking for fucking Final Fantasy Mystic. <laughs> How dare you, sir? How <laughs> dare you? <laughs> and and I'm saying this as someone who I think has, has said on the show that like Mystic Quest gets a bad rap. It's not that bad. And I don't think that Shadows of Adam is a terrible, terrible game. It's it's just it's. It's something that's really tough to do with these retro RPGs where you do have something like a Chrono Trigger or, you know, uh, those Super Nintendo Final Fantasies and Dragon Quests. Like, those games are incredible. They're, they're masterpieces. Even even Secret of Mana, a game that I've tried to play several times and don't like. Like, I, I get it. Like, like that, that game's beautiful. There's a mystery to it. That That's great. When you're trying to, like, evoke that, I I, I just kind of think you can't. Like, I've seen a lot of games try to do it over the years to, to varying degrees of success. And it's not like any of those games are bad, but they've always been disappointing. They, they've they been, like, I think what you gave this is, you gave this a 7.5 out of 10, right. correct? That that seems like the peak for this kind of game. I, I'm, I'm thinking of a game like Cosmic Star Heroine, and I think it's one of the closest we've gotten to a reproduction of a 16-bit RPG that that's really good. Uh, again, uh, Cosmic, I, I don't think it's Cosmic perfect. Cosmic Star but... Heroin is much better, though. Oh, for sure. I, I, I agree. I agree. I, and I'd say that those developers... I, I Actually, I still haven't played Cosmic Star Heroin. I bought it yeah. when it came on Switch. I've not played it, but I've played some of those guys' other games. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did uh, Breath of Death, Cthulhu Saves the World, some some cool Penny Arcade RPGs. And what what uh what is it seaboid games that's right, what that's they right. seem to understand about retro rpgs is is something that i think shadows of adam gets close to doing uh kind of the keep it simple mm-hmm. stupid um mantra of like no we're gonna make this straightforward and you're gonna be like in and out in 10 hours um and also they seem to get to the mechanics like need to still be engrossing they can evoke old memories but like the coolest that like I got to a point where I was playing Shadows of Adam where I realized that the, the coolest thing about it was I was like, oh, this whole thing where like your your uh, your AP regenerates when you do a normal attack, that's neat. Uh-huh. That's that's like the best thing I had to say about that battle system because it was just so painfully derivative of games that I'd rather be playing. David, how much of this game did you play? Like I I'm I'm curious to hear. Like I, I mean I, I wrote the review. Like I I've got a lot to say on it, but um I I'm curious. I know you didn't play as much, but yeah, I only only played about an hour or so. I mean, the initial feelings I got was that it was very like the people who made it were very much a fan of Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. What <laughs> you think? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like uh, and there's it was just so much it, to the point where I'm like, man, I wish I was playing Final Fantasy VI right now. Like that's what I yeah, that's no, what that's I just what, like, kept I thinking. Almost started, I almost started playing Final Fantasy VI. Because I was, but I was like, no, I, I, I like need to play twelve. I need to play some Masquerada. Yeah, like there's characters that look like, like the one guy looked like Saban. The he suplexes a train. Yeah, and then there's um, <laughs> they had the same facial expressions as the Final Fantasy characters, like when they're surprised mm-hmm. and shocked and stuff. And uh, again, I didn't play a ton, but the the music wasn't all that. Like that was the other part is Final Fantasy uh, four and six have such great music. And the music that I was hearing so far in Shadows of Adam was just kind of him and, you know, mediocre. Like, it wasn't, it was fine, but it was, all the only, I couldn't shake the feeling of, like, this is so similar to Final Fantasy that I'd rather j- 
just play four or six. I guess the the problem is with games like this, when they're so obviously trying to remind you of a certain uh, time period or and a certain game specifically, right? Like the game not not only looks a lot like Mystic Quest, but the, the way you go through the dungeons and interact with enemies is exactly yep. the same as, as Mystic Quest. Um, you know, it's funny if you're going to model your game after anything, I don't know why you chose that, but you know, I actually did, I did enjoy playing through the game because we don't get today in, in 2019, we don't get a lot of games like this that are decent. Like we have all those Chemco RPGs, which try to do the same like 16 bit thing, but are very bad. I, I haven't even played them. I've just heard old, heard terrible things about them. I think this one's pretty. I played them in, in your radon. I think this one is actually pretty competent for what it is. And so I, I want to give it kind of kudos for that. It, I, I think the it, it kind of nails the 10, 10 hour thing. Uh, it doesn't outstay its welcome. It doesn't like add all this these extra story dungeons you have to complete at the end. Um, at the end, it does reveal all these side quests when it gives you the airship. Um, and I think that's it's a shame, actually, because I think the side quests are cool. But it's just too late. Like it, it's in the you know the ninth or tenth hour of the game when you can explore this world and go to islands you've never been to. You can go back and really talk to almost any character in the game and maybe get a new quest from them or new dialogue or something like that. But none of you're not really pushed to do that. You get the airship and you have the ability to, but the game doesn't kind of encourage you to explore necessarily you, you just kind of have to figure that out on your own or you know m maybe have that propensity for wanting to explore a world you know um you do get the airship and you have that power but very easily you're actually given the airship right in front of where the final dungeon is so you're i don't know i, I imagine there's a lot i imagine there's a lot of people who's gonna be like oh there's the like it's, it's literally going into the ground a la uh, Final Fantasy IV, when you take the airship underground, you're, a hole a hole opens up in the earth in front of you, and you have the airship, and that's where you're supposed to go. And I imagine there's a lot of players who would do that, who would just be like, ah, okay, Final Dungeon, let's let's beat the game. You know, I've I've played enough of this game. I don't need, I don't really need any more. I worry that if you if you play if I play a little bit more, it might overstay its welcome. Let's just finish the game here. So I don't know that that's where I kind of got to with the end of it. But yeah, again, I, I think it I think it's pretty competent. I think it's easy to play. Um, there's something about the simplicity that I liked. And this is, I guess, coming off of all these 20, 30 hour RPGs that we've been playing. It was nice to have something uh, shorter, more refreshing like this. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, the the one thing with just that we've since we brought up Cosmic Star Heroin is it's it's very similar in, in its nature of it's picked a game and it's it's basing itself on it. Like Cosmic Star Heroin is obviously very influenced by Chrono Trigger, mm -hmm. just the way that it every the way that it's played, the battle mechanics and everything. I mean, I thought I thought there was also a lot of Fantasy Star in that game mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, but Cosmic Star Heroin, I just felt like put their own stamp on it that shadows of adam did yeah for sure it, it it's not it's not unique i mean it's funny that the the, the uh, eShop listing the the opening description or the abstract shadows of adam is a unique take on a classic genre i don't think it is unique i think it's it's a it's, it's, it's a frankenstein's monster of 16-bit characteristics right uh it's a little bit mystic quest it's a little bit lufia uh, I'm, I'm sure there's some other things. I think the overworld looks a little bit like Chron uh, Chrono Trigger before you go into dungeons and stuff like that. Um, so you get this mishmash of things, but it doesn't necessarily take the best qualities of these games. It's just it's just meant to remind you of them, maybe, or me meant to make you feel yeah. like, yeah, this... I mean, this game could have come out on the Super Nintendo, and none of us would have been surprised by that. 
maybe we would have played it. I think it would have gotten like the same kind of score, like seven, seven point five, if it came out then as it did now. Yeah. The difference is this game is fifteen bucks on the eShop compared to maybe a hundred dollars you might have eighty to a hundred dollars you might have paid for it, uh, you know, twenty years ago or something like that. So I think there is something to be said for. Um, again, a brisk 10-hour RPG that at a very reasonable price and doesn't do isn't terrible. Like it's not, you know, overly ham-fisted. It doesn't again, it doesn't overstay its welcome. It has some fun combat mechanics, uh, and, and it's e- it, it, there's an ease to it. There's a kind of a pick-up-and-play feel. Like if you've played any of these older RPGs before, you can get right into this. You're not going to get lost or anything like that. It's very straightforward. Yeah, like I don't, I don't really have that much more to say on it. Like, like I, I agree with you that. It's not like it's terrible. It's just that, like, I feel like I, it, it's like almost like I feel like we should expect and demand more out of RPGs. <laughs> well, I guess that means it's uh, time to dissect what was my favorite uh, indie in the past few weeks, and that is Masquerada: Songs and Shadows. And this is uh, released uh, first week of May. I think it was May the ninth. And this is by, uh, an indie game by Witching Hour Studios. It's a small team of about 15 people uh, out in Singapore, actually. Hmm. And um, the the type of game... So this is, again, going on the theme of uh, picking a, a, a existing game that's popular. So this is plays in the Diablo style, where you're running down um, on an isometric map, and you have auto attacks um, as you level up. You have signature attacks that use... Uh, like AP or magic, or whatever you, what you want to call it, that that has meters that have to uh, regenerate while you fight. I, I really view this as more of an adventure novel with Diablo battles, uh, because you're not coming to play a, a Diablo style fighting game. Like that's th- that's not why you would want to play this game. The reason you'd want to play this game is for the uh, incredible writing, story, and some of the best voice acting found. Like for an indie game, it's it's outstanding. Like this is. I would say this is like big publisher quality voice acting. In many cases, even better than some of them. Uh, the The voice actors were terrific. Uh, they down to, down to a character. Like even the uh, secondary characters that that aren't playable that are just kind of on the fringe. Um, even even their voice acting was was terrific. And I found the story very compelling. I guess the the way to break it down is is that there's um, this big city that's kind of broken up into a number of guilds and the the ruling class or the the elite the bourgeoisie uh, they have power they're basically their basis of power comes from these uh, masquerins so they're masks that imbue the user with a magical power uh, so because they have these masquerines um, they can basically control society and each of the guilds has their own masquerines so that it's it's kind of broken down a bit, um, and the there's a group called the Mask Runners um, who are uh, I believe they're they're kind of like your proletariat, I guess. Um, get their hands on mas- uh, their own supply of the mascarines, and, and basically are have started an insurgency. And so you're basically following the story of th- this basically playing out. So you're playing as a, a character who. His brother was actually the the leader in the prologue of the game. Uh, I can't actually remember his name, but the brother is uh, leading the, this proletariat and uh, on a siege of the the main castle of the game of the city, and he ends up being uh, killed in combat. And uh, because the the brother that you play as Cicero, um, he essentially just turns a blind eye. He doesn't help his brother, but he doesn't stop his brother. So he's 
cast out of the city uh, in disgrace. And five years later, uh, he's asked to come back by the ruling class to uh, find, uh, uh, I guess he's kind of like a scientist who's been researching uh, this, this source of power that the ruling class and the, uh, the, pro, this, the mask runners ha- have found. And it's, basically, it, it starts off as this kind of small investigation and leads to this uh, very large conclusion that it involves the entire city. And it's, uh, I just found it compelling from start to finish. Like maybe the first couple hours was a little bit slow as you're being introduced to the the world. Like you're essentially getting your bearings and you're meeting everyone. But once everyone comes together and, and uh, the pieces are starting to fall into place, I, I just found a very, it is a very interesting story. Like I said, great writing. All the characters uh, had great arcs, and uh, I was very satisfied by the ending. Uh, David, I'll I'll start with something that uh, you did a really good job kind of describing what the game is, and and I think what what its strengths are for sure. Um, you you weren't able to come up with Cicero's brother's name. Uh, it's Cyrus, uh, and I don't blame I don't blame you for that at all because I think there's a there's an issue with this game, at least that I had, where so many names of different things are thrown at you. Different guilds, different groups of people, different uh, I don't know, elements of the world, uh, names of characters, and they all have kind of an Italian tinge to them, right? Or, you know, they're, they seem to be Italian or Venetian Inspettore. names. Right? And I think that I, I, I can't, I, it was very hard to keep things straight uh, as a player who doesn't like to read the lore that you come across, and I know you pointed out that there's so much story <laughs> that comes out of the lore. If you do not read the lore that you come across, I think it's very easy to get lost in the game in terms of the story, in terms of who people are and what's happening where. I think you, I think you're right. I think you miss. I think you do miss a lot of the story if you do not read the the you lore do. that you pick up. And it's very much optional, right? It, you can go and pick it up in the world if you want to. You do not have to. Um, yeah. Or it kind of pops up on screen, and you have the option of reading the lore as you go. Like you meet a new character, uh, then a lore entry pops up, and you really the, the game won't necessarily give you a great um, introduction to the character or who they are. You do have to read that lore to figure out. Uh, I, I, th- I really, I think, figure out what's going on here uh, and who you're work, who you're working yep. with, who you're working against. And I guess that just kind of clashes with my personal style. I don't, I don't, I don't play a game like Skyrim and go and re- go around reading all the books. Uh, even in a game like Diablo, if there if there's tombs or side things that pop up, notes or things, uh, if there's a lot of them, I'll start skipping them because I I would rather just go through the story and hope that it presents enough to me as it is. If I have to do a lot of kind of extra background reading, uh, it does kind of lose me a little bit. So that was one of my gripes with the game is i feel like to really engage with the story fully you do have to be open to reading a lot of the lore that you come across and that that, that just wasn't hooking me i heavily co-signed that um like i saw i i realized what that game was doing where it was just that like oh no like we're telling you that this there's a new entry about this character go read it and i'm like no game like tell me who this character is i don't want to have to go like okay writing's pretty good because i did for the sake of this podcast i did the work um i read some of these things some because <laughs> like a lot of it's written from the perspective of cicero the main character um and like that's neat uh but i don't like it when games do that if you do do it it needs to be extra or particularly compelling like i looked at something like skyrim um all that stuff is just 
hideously extra stuff that, yeah, if you're really into that world, you can go dive into it. You, you don't have to. Um, or something like Metroid Prime's logs, where that's how you get the majority of that story. You can play that game pretty much entirely without paying attention to any of the stuff that you're scanning. But also, when you scan it in-game, which, once again, kind of an optional thing, it, like, pops up as a blurb on the screen while you're doing it. With this, it's so in the background. It requires so much, like, player agency um, completely divorced from the, the flow of the game to go and read all this. And you are, you are constantly bombarded with this lore. You're getting it all the time. At the beginning of a new chapter, or new maybe when you get to a new location, you'll get three kind of notifications. Boom, boom, boom. Okay, here's three pieces of lore. You need, you need to read all of them, and they're not they're not like one or two sentence descriptions. They're like they can be you know a page or multiple pages of reading to do, and it does kind of interrupt the flow of uh, I guess not just the story, but just kind of moving through the world, the moving through the physical world. If every time I get to a new room, I, I've I'm either being given lore or there's kind of uh, little markers icons on the world map or uh, on the screen where i can run over and grab some lore and then go and read that you do i think it, i think i mean this is almost a visual novel in a way that you do have so much to read through to to make progress or to really get it um and yeah it just doesn't work for me like a game like skyrim we were going to keep referring to that you don't have to read the books there are tons of books in skyrim you do not have to read them to enjoy or to get through the story of skyrim it's all very much extra and background and if it's there if you want it which is great but here i don't think it's there necessarily if you want it i think you kind of do need to read it or you're gonna lo you're gonna lose a lot you can skim it Fine, but you have to access it. You, have to, you, have to you still it. have to interact with yes, it. Yes, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, you you do have to interact with it, but you don't have to. If you start skipping a few of them, it's not gonna like. There's, I think there's one in the library where, or actually the hall the hall of songs where it's, uh, you can you can pick up uh, a history of the canticles, uh, which are basically just eras of time in the game. I mean, you don't really need to know what happened in those canticles but how, to understand. But how are you supposed game. to know which ones to skip and which ones not? Right? They're all kind of labeled the same purple yeah. color. There's no, yeah. There's no like this. This oh, you must read this lore, and then you know they yeah, put it at the top of your they put on the top of your chart or something, right? Everything seems equally, you know, valuable or maybe obscured or something like that. There's no no clear hierarchy of which lore is more important than others. But even even divorced from the story, which this isn't really a game when you divorce it from the yeah. story, like just the the overall flow of the game is a lot of loading point to point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it's it's there's so the much loading, loading and it's like horrible. it. I mean, it's basically like go to this room, like maybe like press some buttons, maybe get in one fight, uh, maybe talk to a dude, and then go walk to another area then repeat and yeah you do have the connective tissue of the, of the plot moving forward and everything but for the couple hours that i played it, it was just it was so much point a to point b mm -hmm. with like very minimal stuff in between those points which just it made the whole game drag where if i was like if the game not saying it has to be more action focused or anything because it this is very much a game all about telling its story but if it was a little more quicker paced, maybe I would have been encouraged to go check out some of that highly necessary lore. Yeah, it's the it's funny with um, Jordan bringing up like the visual novel aspect because that's how I really 
that's where my enjoyment came from is viewing it as a visual novel like the fighting in between i just felt it was just a a necessary ah, i just got to do this and i get to find out more more of the story like the, the fighting was a chore the going from place to place was yeah, a chore yeah the, the the fighting's also just kind of bad yeah like it, it it opens up more later on in the game when when you're able to um open up those like you get the skill points to open up yeah the different yeah. abilities so it it becomes more because you can get up like you can equip up to four different abilities and there's some pretty neat ones like there's one where he's like spinning in the air for about 10 seconds uh there's one where you can send a magical raccoon after people so and and then there's like uh ice walls and that sort of thing so there's like it seems it seems like the, and there is a way to like get the characters to pair well together but it's just that yeah it almost felt like so, so i know like I, when I was playing it, I didn't really make the connection to Diablo until you did. Uh, for me, it more felt like they tried to make Xenoblade combat, but bad and in 2D. I can, I can um, see a little bit of that, Neil, yeah. Yeah. Or at least not, or at least uh, Xenoblade 1, not necessarily 2. Uh-huh. Um, because that's like with the auto-attacking and then like using skills and cooldowns. Like it kind of reminded me of that, but it... And there are the, the there are the like elemental there's the elemental tags which are kind of like what you would yeah. combo off of in Xenoblade, right? So that that makes a lot of sense actually. Yeah, um, but like even still, like Shadows of Adam, Adam before it, um, this was a game that uh, it was a battle system that just made me think of better battle mm-hmm. systems. Yeah, I I agree. Like the the loading in the battle is what holds it back. Uh, but I, I just found the story was too compelling to ignore. Like it's just, it it over the the great story and voice acting, for me anyway, because that's what I was focusing yeah. on. Completely overshadowed the its its misgivings. I will say voice act voice acting is incredible. It's so it's it's so like, good. Top tier. Like I I'd watch this as a as like a show. Well, and it's if they turned that into an actual visual novel, if they really shortened the loading and the fighting, if they just made it almost completely visual novel with maybe some choices or something and a couple branches or something, uh, I almost wonder if it would be better just just to go that way. Like, don't like, you're not gonna the combat's not gonna be as good. Like, if you're looking for the combat, just play Diablo three mm-hmm. because they do it well. So take or a, Xenoblade or Xenoblade and they just so well just. Too. Take that out and just create a pure visual novel with that voice acting and and story, and it would have been great. And uh, it's funny too because I I haven't looked into it, but the it's they've certainly opened left the door open for a sequel. Hmm. I think I think this is really interesting that we're getting to this point where we're looking at an RPG. There, I mean, the, the developers are referring to this as a tactical rpg and I, I i don't know i don't think playing it like that is very enjoyable i i would recommend if people are interested in this game put the difficulty on the easiest one you can and just skirt just skate through the combat because i think it uh, i think overall the gameplay just doesn't serve the story very well it's more of a barrier to the story it just gets in the way of it frankly uh and i don't i just don't find it that compelling um you, you get into the combat you do the different abilities nothing really looks flashy uh you see the damage numbers appearing over the enemies nothing really stands out about it you don't you don't feel like you're doing a lot of work in the combat you're kind of just watching things unfold i i, I never felt like i had all that much agency 
um, and I was playing on the normal difficulty. Uh, I'm tempted to kind of go if I do. I, I'm about halfway through the game, I think. David, how many how many acts are there? Ooh, four, four, or five. Then four. Yeah, I think there. I think there's four actually. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure it was the end of Act Four. Okay, so yeah, a little bit, a little bit less, or around halfway through the game, and I, I, I do want to see the end of that story because I know you've, 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 you know, you've really spoken its praises. Um, but I would definitely turn down the combat uh, difficulty or the difficulty of the game to easy because I, I don't care about it at all. I just want the combat to be over. Um, another concern in terms of gameplay is the fact that you go to these cool environments and it looks like you could explore them, but there's really nothing there. Sometimes you pick up a few lore points or lore uh, uh, entries uh, by exploring a little bit, but you're not really rewarded for exploring. There aren't really NPCs you can talk to or anything like that. So I, I don't know why it even gives you that freedom to move from point A to point B uh, in some situations. There's nothing served by doing that. I wish they would just situate you or automatically move you to the next story beat or the next person you are actually able to interact with. Sometimes it puts you like yeah. outside a building, like the, the carriage lets you outside a building, and then your next movement is to the front door of the building. But th there's no... There's nothing gained by doing that. Like, I, it, it just seems kind of wasteful, you know? Yeah, the the only thing they really did was um, you can find other mascarines. Like, they call them raw mascarines. Yeah, yeah, I found a couple of those. Yeah, that you could you could find a couple of those, and then um, uh, the twins uh, that basically shuttle you from place to place. Mm. They 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 know how to activate the mascarines so that you can. So if you've chosen like. It just gives you other access to other powers and mm -hmm. power-ups and stuff. Yeah, it, it just improves your alt ability, right? Or gives you a different alt? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And it's, I mean, it's minimal at best. Like, And, I mean, if I was going to describe the environment, I would just call it corridors. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just a series of corridors. There's really, like, very, like you said, very minimal exploration, and it's not... And it's it sucks because it looks really cool. It looks really, like, the, the art style is really mm -hmm. neat. The world looks cool. And it's it's painfully boring in, in spots. Yeah, like there's it's there's a few areas that they that they visit that are the most. It's it's the stuff them the the historical places. Mm -hmm. Like they find places, they find areas that have kind of been lost to time, and those are the most yeah. those are the most impressive. Uh, and the best the best to look at but i mean like when you're in the the white spire for example like you're just kind of walking through a generic looking yeah. medieval castle so there's i mean there's not much to look at there and then there's like sewers and stuff so uh, it, it's kind of a lot of generic mixed in with nice but like you said it's i would i would prefer that they just minimize that and focus on the story like yeah, go with I, your strength That's i think i really i think i really would have enjoyed this game a lot if it were if it were actually a visual novel with some decision making um you know maybe a little bit of movement or some you know, optional character interaction with with your party members or something like that i could do without the combat and i could do without kind of exploring boring environments or environments where there wasn't really much to do um yeah i think just kind of expediting that process and, and yeah like you said david playing towards your strengths which are clearly the voice acting in the story um and some of the environments that you uh that you uh, explore a little bit or you encounter um yeah very mm -hmm. very interesting just that we've gotten to that point when discussing a game like this that we could say if this were a very maybe a, a very different genre or just presented itself very differently i think i i think neil and i might both like it a lot more uh, or maybe feel uh, the same way you did about it like I, i'll give it this and it's way more ambitious and interesting than shadows of adam for sure 
it just as and also as far as games that it reminds me of, like I, the Banner Saga is really good, guys. <laughs> All three games, yeah. great. I gotta get to um, I mean this like that that uh that combat is similarly not the best part of the game, um, and definitely in the in the especially in Banner Saga one, it's very weak. It gets a lot better over the uh, the other two games of the trilogy, but that is a lot more riffing on Fire Emblem than like kind of. Diablo, Baldur's Gate, or whatever. Um, but the I like the world there. Like, I think what Banner Saga, where Banner Saga succeeds and Masquerade fails, is that Banner Saga is a very familiar world. Like, it's it's Lord of the Ringsy, it's mm-hmm. Game of Thronesy. Like, you can cut. Like, it's not that tough to to get that. There are so many parallels that you can kind of like settle into Banner Saga without knowing too much of the context of the world. Whereas Masquerada, I feel like there isn't a common language to what this world is, so it's a lot harder to get into it. Well, we've got one more indie RPG that uh, that has uh, some mixed feelings uh, between the three of us as well. Yeah, so I uh, this last game is SteamWorld Quest, which now it's David's turn to bitch about a game. For <laughs> That's right. Yes. Um, and bitch but, I will. Uh, Jordan and I are both very positive on this game. Yep. Jordan, when you reviewed it, you gave it a 9 out of 10. I did. Uh, I did not review it. If I were to review it, I probably would have been a little less positive, like an 8 out of 10 or something. Um, I think there are elements where it kind of falls short, but on the whole, it's just like a it's a, it's a nice little game. Um, and David, you, you didn't like it at all. Um, but I'd say in kind of the reverse of Masquerada, this is a game that focuses a lot more on mechanics over story. I think the story is just a nice thing in the background. I think the mechanics of the card battling system is the, the heart and soul of this game. And, and that flexibility and customization of the that made it a lot of fun to play. Mm. Well, Jordan, do you want to uh, maybe you want to discuss uh, what it's about and why you enjoy sure. it? Sure. Uh, so SteamWorld Quest is uh, it's very much an RPG. Uh, you are you are a knight and you are kind of completing completing quests. There's an overarching story where you uh, you're uh, this kind of you're hoping to join a guild. You're you're playing your, as a character Armily. Um, she wants to join a guild. She wants to kind of prove herself. Uh, and you get back to your town after kind of searching for mushrooms in the forest or something like that. You get back to the town. The town is on fire. Uh, you have to figure out what's going on. There's a kind of a, a larger evil force at work. And you end up kind of tracking them throughout the game uh, until you eventually find them and, and defeat them. Um, you have a party of three. Uh, you have a knight, a spellcaster, and kind of a, a healer slash um, a tank kind of character. Uh, so it's got those kind of archetypes working for it, but the combat system, uh, like you're saying, Neil, is is it's definitely the most unique of the three games that we've talked about tonight, and uh, it, it's got a depth to it. It's got, I think, it's uh, there's a lot of strategy involved. You are uh, every character that you have uh, gets eight action cards in their deck, uh, and you are dealt uh, from those 24 cards, you are dealt six cards at kind of at random at the beginning of each round of combat. I'm uh, sorry, at the beginning of uh, at the beginning of uh, when you enter combat. Um, by choosing three actions from one character, you can uh, allow them to do a special fourth kind of combo action, which I really enjoyed. I thought that was really cool. Uh, the spellcaster Copernica, uh, what the uh, kind of special combo attack she starts with gives everyone a mana shield. 
And I kind of rode that mana shield throughout the whole game. I thought it was really powerful. Um, it's a good mana shield. Yeah, it uh, it's really helpful later on, especially when you get poisoned or other status effects like bleeding affect you uh, and you're kind of losing health every turn. You can kind of just keep pumping up that mana shield as long as you get Copernica cards in your hand of six. Uh, and that that's what I think that's one of the ways I was able to be successful. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this combat because you, you keep picking up new cards as you play throughout the game. You eventually meet a merchant that allows you to craft new cards as well. So yes, your characters can choose eight cards for themselves, but they end up having over maybe 12 or 16 different cards to, to put into those uh, eight. So I should say 16 different types maybe. So there's, there's so much flexibility to what you can bring to the table with your three characters. Uh, and then there's, you eventually meet two other characters as well. Uh, the combat open up, opens up a little bit more as certain cards allow you to combo with other characters too and do special attacks that way. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I, what really made this game a 9 out of 10 for me is that I found the combat so fun throughout the game. I think it's a little bit... Mm, difficult and the bosses can seem kind of damage spongy at the beginning of the game before you get a lot of these cards but as you acquire bigger decks you can really come up with some neat strategies for how to proceed uh david you played a little bit of the game uh what uh how, how did you find it? i know you again you weren't as high on it as we were but uh, what kind of held you up about it um so i got about two-thirds of the way through the game mm. i guess i would say because I, I was i think it was chapter 10 or 11 i got to oh that's more than i thought i thought you'd only played like an hour or two so that's good oh no no i i probably put in f about six okay, hours maybe cool. or so yeah that's good um so I, I guess i'll just my i'll start my critique off of quest with uh just a, a show showing my love for SteamWorld Heist. Yeah. Uh, SteamWorld Heist is actually one of my favorite games. I, I really enjoyed the the world and the uh, strategy behind. Um, I mean, it's procedurally generated levels mm -hmm. where uh, it's more uh, like a tactical um, kind of shooter game. But it, it's in the same world. Uh, it, it uses the same humor. Uh, and I couldn't help but compare Quest to Heist while I was playing. And there was just so much difference that it, it, I just felt like it wasn't anywhere near the, the same level. Um, like for my biggest problems with Quest was that there was really no environment. The like the way that you go through Quest is that there it's like little squares of where you kind of run from one side to the square, the other side. There's nothing to really look at. It's all kind of generic Steam World. Like if you played a Steam World game. You know what the environment looks like. The the there were only that like a handful of character sprites, uh, like they were being reused, and, and so there wasn't really a whole lot going on there. The uh like the, the script is Steam World quality. Like if you enjoy the Steam World, you know humor and and writing, and you'll probably enjoy it. But I just to me it just felt the same. Like it, it, I even think there might have been a couple jokes that have that were used in Heist that were reused in Quest. Right. Um. So, uh, so it wasn't. It didn't feel uh, unique to me, like the the writing, and then the story was kind of your standard RPG fare. Yeah. So, I mean, so everything outside of the combat to me was just kind of generic, and and yeah. not like it's it, it was cool when I played Heist, and I I appreciated Heist more, but now it's like 
I've played that this and and it's not done as well. So it's, so I, I agree with you on the combat. Like the the card system is is good. My critiques of the card system would be is that kind of the piddly characters that you should be just running gunning through. Yeah. Just they felt like they took too long. It's like you got to the point where it's like, okay, this should have taken about half the time it should have. And then the boss fights, like you said, the a few at the beginning were so damagey spawned. Like I think I probably was like twenty minutes or half an hour on one boss. And it was just like this is too long. Like this, this, it's just relying too much. Like I, I like the randomness. I like. I think they structured the combat system very well. But it was when you're in a battle for like twenty to thirty minutes, it just felt like every hand was the same. Mm-hmm. It was like okay, I'm essentially trying to do the same thing. Did I'm, Did you use the fast forward button? Yeah, there was a speed. Yeah, you could speed through, but yeah. I mean, it's it's still like the same thing. Like it's. Like it's okay. Here's six cards. While I, you know, I'm trying, I'll I'll have to like, if I don't have the shield, I have to to get Copernicus three things so I can get a shield. Uh-huh. Okay, now that I got that, well, now let's try Arm our armadillos uh, to get three of hers, and then it just felt like I was doing the same. And every battle felt the same. Uh-huh. Like yes, you do get new cards that give you new abilities, but it just felt like my strategy was always the same. It was always maintain a defense and then attack. Maintain a defense and then attack. I think that's where you're, I think that's where, like, I mean, I guess it's the way that the game laid it, itself, mm-hmm. laid it outside to you, so it's not entirely on you, the player. Um, I think you're playing the game wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, I think maintaining a defensive attack is a way to make that game drag and be super slow. Yeah. Uh, I wound up almost probably in response to Jordan saying that he rocked the same three characters the whole time. Uh, once I got all of the five playable characters, I almost constantly would rotate out who my three were. Um, although I would have to like kind of make sure I had the, like the two characters that have uh, an array of healing uh, would usually be in my party in some respect. And I would kind of maybe like I would have one character depending on if it was like a boss coming up or not. I might have one character that is ostensibly like almost entirely healing. Uh, but my uh, but my other characters. I'd just be very aggressively attacking. Mm. And doing that made a lot of those... I, I kind of realized over the course of the game, the like generic battles went by a lot faster, mm. and I didn't have to worry about that as much. Uh, yeah. So, sorry, I was going to say... Um, uh, let me, well, I'll get back to the combat in a sec, but yeah, just, David, that comparison to Heist, and I'm playing Quest for the first time, like, a lot of that humor, that, maybe that aesthetic, that presentation, it was new to me, so that's maybe what made it stand out for me a little bit more, but yeah, if you're someone who's played all the Steam World games, then you come to this one, yeah, maybe it is, you've already seen this before, it's not, it's not new hat, it's very, maybe it's becoming a little bit stale by this point, so I, I you know, I totally respect that. One thing for me that happened with the combat, or that I figured out pretty early, is that a couple of the early bosses, yeah, Damage Spongy took a long time, maybe, maybe not 30 minutes, but yeah, maybe 15 or 20 minutes to beat them. But one one tactic for taking down the bosses that have tons of health is poisoning them. Um, I don't remember the, the tank the tank character name. Um, oh, God, it's going to kill me. The robot. Yeah. <laughs> the, green, the, robots, the green looking, the green robot who is the tank and the healer, uh, he's got a, a poison ability they can use. And when you poison... An enemy, even a boss, and a lot of them, are, almost all of them, are susceptible to poison. It does about 10% of their health per turn, and you, if you just keep applying poison, you can very quickly take them down. That's what that big that big robot I usually have is a healer, yeah. and then I'd have poison, and then 
I think like Super Soaker. Yeah. Those are my that, jams. That's all you need. Poison yeah. would only last for like three. It, it'd be three turns. Yeah. Like, and then you then like, How many it. turns are you it. doing <laughs> per match? I don't know. I, maybe I wasn't upgrading them or something, but yeah. I just like. Like like the cards, but, but like, like you have 24 cards and like. That means if you if you have one even if you just have one poison in your hand, it lasts for three turns. At the most, four turns, you're you're probably gonna see it. Or, or I guess maybe like five turns, you're gonna see it again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll give you an example. So there was one um they were chasing that guy for the key in in an early I think it was maybe the second chapter or something, where they're like in the, the cave or whatever and the guy had stolen the yeah. key. Yeah. And yeah. so there, so he, so he was the final boss, and he had like some big Frankenstein thing with him or something. So there was the two of them, and essentially, like at that point, I had the poison. So my my uh, strategy was uh, is that I would try to get Copernicus first to get the shield. Then I w- would try to get uh, I can't remember the green guy's name. Either it's it's, Gal- it's Galio or Galeo. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And um, so I would, yeah, I would go with, uh, so I, there was two things I tried to do with him. I would try to get the poison on, on the, the boss plus uh, the regeneration. Mm, yeah, that was a good um, one. So I, I, I had those two cards for him. And then once those were done, I, I would go with uh, Armadillas, like the heroic strike plus maybe like an intercept to try to take away turns uh, from the boss. And, and it was basically rinse and repeat. I just don't see how if you have those cards up and you're constantly improving your equipment and you've given your characters accessories and you know you can improve the cards too, right? You can level up the cards. If you're doing all those things, David, you should be able to do a lot of damage. Like, again, maybe not in the first quarter of the game, first third or so, but once you get powered up and you've got that poison ticking, yeah, bosses just didn't take that long after that. I I didn't have trouble. Like, that was was the hardest boss for me in... And what I played. Yeah, I think it was the hardest one for and me so too. I didn't, actually, I didn't have trouble after that, but I just didn't find it. I think I went into that boss because you had already bitched <laughs> about it, and it was like, oh, that actually wasn't yeah. that bad. Yeah, but I, I just felt like it was the same every time. Like the, 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 then there was the slime boss after that, and it was the same strategy. And then, like, I just didn't. I just felt like I was fighting the same battles every time. And then it was like, oh well, here's three, three little guys. Oh well, this, this, like, it's not. I guess. Part of it is, is like I'm used to the Final Fantasy where when you're in the ran, like you're out in the overworld and you hit a random, and usually it's like one or two hits and you're and you move mm-hmm. on, and it and that wasn't the case in this. Like you'd get like the bees, it would still take like three or four turns, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like a a thirty second hit and go, yeah. thirty second hit and go. Like it, it was like even the minimal minimal boss or minimal enemies were still taking like a couple minutes, and I I know you can put like the speed up thing but i like i don't like doing that either mm. like that's it's like i'm playing i want to enjoy it like i i don't know i, I think at the end of the day it's just the the style that i had because mm. it's like because there was nothing after the combat like there was nothing to explore there was really not no compelling story so it's like okay well i'm here to 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 do the combat well i'm not overly enjoying the combat so there's really nothing here for me to to do like i'm not like the game ha- is not appealing to mm-hmm. me. There's definitely that maybe certain strategies that can work throughout. Um, but I di- I liked experimenting with the characters' cards that I did get. Every time I got new cards, I tried to put those in. Like I yeah I kept poison with Galeo most of the time, uh, and I kept 
uh, Copernica's special or her ultimate ability is the magic shield. But I would try, I would give her like lightning attacks. I would give her ice or fire attacks and uh, just see if I could make those work, right? Yeah, just power her up with that fire yeah. boost and she destroys For sure. worlds. And there, you can... Or play with play with yeah. weaknesses because a lot of enemies, especially because you do fight similar enemies in different areas, like you can find out like, oh, like the, the bees are weak to fire yeah. or whatever. Like, make sure I have fire to use. Copernica gets a card at some point called Glass Cannon, and it makes her so damn powerful that if you can keep her alive, you can keep her up. She'll just take down any level of boss. If you can play that card and then get her a couple of spells after that, she could take down you know yeah. minor minor characters or minor minions very quickly. Um, I, I th David, I think it's tough. I think it's it, you just have to find certain things that work, and maybe whatever combinations you were doing just didn't work out for the different enemies. And uh, I guess that's something I really enjoyed was kind of the the experimenting early and try again trying all these different cards and combinations and finding things that worked i think that's really satisfying at least that's what i really enjoyed about the combat some of the battles were more lengthy for sure but when i found out what was working maybe after a couple of random encounters in a in a given chapter and then i could apply it to the later ones like that was very satisfying to me yeah the other the other issue i had was that like i had recently played um the witcher 3 Thronebreaker, oh, okay which is uh a very similar rpg in in the structure where there's like a story going on and there's an overworld and you're going from place to place um in the witcher world and but the the overworld there's there's actual like choices to make and places to explore that have actual consequences mm. to your actions so the overworld was was much more compelling there and then the the structure of the card game itself i just find in thronebreaker because uh, it's like it's gwent right yeah. so it's so you're basically playing Gwent, which is a, a a much it's much more complex card game. Like it's like with with this card game, it's the structure is always the same. It's you're dealt six cards and you can replace two, and then you and then as you go throughout the game, you just can change the cards up. Mm -hmm. But the structure never changes. It's always you're dealt six cards, you 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 can replace two, and then it's the next turn. Whereas in Gwent, it's so much different. Like there's you have a battlefield, you have multiple rows. You have multiple different enemies. You have different units. They have specials. Those specials can can uh, boost other. Like one character can boost another. So it's I, I so it's hard. I guess that's the thing. It's like I played Thronebreaker, which has uh, a better story and a better card game. Uh, I played Heist, which uh, I felt like had a better story and a better um, world to mm -hmm. it, a more interesting world. And then I come to Quest, and it's like. Uh, you're you're uh, a less better version of you know game game a and game b so there's i'd rather just play one of those two yeah it seems like it may have been a victim of maybe just game, game different games that you prefer or games that did something that you really like about them did it better than the, that it happened in quest whereas for me like this is not the type of rpg i play that often where uh, in, it involves deck building. I don't, I don't play any collectible card games like Gwent or Hearthstone or anything like that. So when I found a very accessible card-based card battling system that I, I could get into, I guess that that really enticed me or that got me excited. Like, it's simple enough for beginners to pick up, uh, but I think, you know, someone who's a little bit more advanced can find that there's a lot of cool strategies you can do here as well. Um, there's also a Coliseum mode in uh, SteamWorld Quest that opens up about maybe 60, 70% of the way through. Um, and even the Coliseum has some really cool challenges to it as well, where you start the battle and you're permanently poisoned 
or you or your enemies if you don't kill them they will regenerate all their health at the end of a round of combat so I, I thought that the Coliseum added some some cool wrinkles as well, where you had to you definitely had to bring different items, maybe different equipment, different cards to those battles to be successful. So there was some variety there. But I totally hear your complaints, like or your 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 qualms with the game. Like I, it is extremely linear. Uh, there is basically no exploration. There's a couple of chests you pick up that you know I, I think it is important to try to find them so that you can upgrade your characters, but. You certainly don't. You don't need to. You can get through it, uh, you know, just doing a little bit of grinding instead. Um, yeah, and then and the story isn't anything to write out, write home about. I don't. I don't. I don't find the writing. It, it is. It is funny, but I, I don't know, Neil. You've you've played this other Steam World games. Did you find it like, oh, it's kind of the same thing, kind of same shtick? I will say this: none of the Steam World games really have stories that I care that much about. Um, I'm way more into the feeling yeah. of the world. Like the jokes were borrowed too, though. Like there was there was Leslie Nielsen nineteen eighties jokes. <laughs> but why is that bad? It's not bad. It's just not unique. It's not new. Like I've heard the "Don't call me Shirley" joke like a hundred times. I mean, you know what? It could have been totally unique. It could have just had a very plain text, and then every time they had any kind of reference, there could have been a little uh, icon that popped up directing you to a submenu in which there's just <laughs> i don't know several thousand words of lore oh, yeah. explaining all the intricate details of the world of steam world quest yeah. as opposed to telling it to you uh with some some good and or hacky jokes yeah, di- different different uh, strokes. if i wanted hacky jokes I, I could just watch naked gun again i guess I mean, Naked Gun's a classic. We should all watch Naked Gun. Agreed. So, uh, next episode of the Thirsty Mage, we'll be we'll be talking about Naked Gun. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's sequels yeah. too. I know. I don't want to keep shitting on Steam World Quest, but there's one other game that I compare it to mm-hmm. too. And, and again, it's another game I played recently, which is on the Switch. Uh, this one's Thea: The Awakening. Mm-hmm. And again, th- th- this one actually has a card game that I would compare to Steam World Quest in that it's it's uh, it's a kind of a simplistic system. It's it's different in um, so the way Thea works is that there's like uh, this overworld map, which again like has a world worth exploring, and the the cards are essentially the characters that you are bringing with you mm-hmm. so it's kind of like a civilization five map in like that hexagonal like you you take you have so many turns that you can walk in the hexagons it's going from place to place and the battle is is whatever units you happen to have with you those are your cards so like if you have four people with you they have like um they have a hit and they have a an armor and then they line up against uh, the enemies, whoever many they be, and they have the same where they have a hit in the armor. And, and where the strategy comes in is on how you place them because it's like it goes by turns where I have it. I get to put one card down and then the other guy, the computer gets to put one card down. And essentially it's kind of a match of wits of, okay, he played that card and I can see he has these cards in the waiting. So I've got to play my card based on what I think his next card will be. And I, I just found again, even though it was kind of a, a, the simple, a simple strategy like SteamWorld, I just found that game more compelling as well because it was more strategic. It wasn't, it wasn't, there was no rant. There was a bit of randomness to it, I guess probably about the same as SteamWorld. But I just felt that... The, the 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 complexity even though it was similar it was still more complex enough that uh i found the battles more interesting i mean i think maybe the ultimate conclusion to draw from all three of these games is um there's better versions of them elsewhere mm. in some of our opinions. or or that they, they, they each do something really well for one of us 
but then the the elements that they don't do well stand out more to you know to David yeah, yeah. or to yeah, you Neil or true. to me, right? Like I Yeah, like that's what I've I've noticed by as we do this podcast, I'm a lot more of a like a mechanics and systems mm-hmm. guy where whereas David like needs the solid story. Yeah. And I feel like I'm kind of in the middle. Like sometimes the combat will be enough for me. In Final Fantasy X, like the progression was really, really important to me. That I, I really liked the sphere grid system. And even if the voice acting was terrible, and the story, I think the story is pretty good. But the music, I, I didn't think the music's all that great. Like I, I can overlook those because in that game the mechanics meant a lot to me. Um, in a game like Masquerade, like there. I, I think it is a really great story, and I want to engage with it. But maybe the way that they give you that story doesn't work out for me. So, yeah, I guess we're all, you know, we're we're all different people. You know, we have different ways of accessing these games and things we're looking for. And um, there 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 are hits and misses in different ways in these three games for sure. I think all three are worth playing. Mm-hmm. It, it I think the one that you pick, like if if you're listening and you're like, okay, I'm gonna play one. Yeah. Which one should I pick? I think it comes down to taste mm. at that point. It's like, you know, what, like you said, we each kind of look at the different things with the RPGs that we find interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think if you get the one with the one that matches your taste, I think you'll enjoy mm-hmm. it. If you happen to get the ones that aren't, then I, I think you're going to, it'll be like a, a disappointment. I think it's uh, honestly a little easy to say what the, what, uh, an audience or someone listening to this podcast and if we were to say if you like this then take this game I think if you are interested in the the combat and building a deck and playing different cards and figure out which cards work in which situations I think St- uh, SteamWorld Quest is best for that if you're really interested in stories of games and voice acting and those kind of help you get lost in the world then Masquerade is definitely for you I think if you really long for that 16-bit simplicity, uh, you know that, that doesn't take itself too seriously. You can play Chrono Trigger. You, you can, <laughs> but you can't play it on Switch, Neil. In fact, you can't play Chrono Trigger anywhere easily these days, right? You could pl- you play don't it on your you phone. dare! I fuck! I, I knew as soon as I said that you were going to get me with that. Um, I'm not. I'm why, not even going to. Why didn't his mic cut out? Yeah, no, 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 of, co- of course. Now we can hear you clearly when you say something like that. Um, <laughs> you can't play Chrono Trigger on traditional video game console, yeah, which no, is no, you're, very you're unfortunate. Right. Um, I mean, I, yeah, uh, Square Enix would get a lot of money if they actually shit. All they had to take the Super Nintendo ROM and put it on modern consoles. I know, I know. And you could sell that shit for twenty bucks, and it would sell they a lot. They would make so much They've money. They've clearly shown they don't care about the criticism of the quality of the ports. So <laughs> That's just right. Yeah, yeah. And... just give us the DS port. I mean, I would even take... because It actually does. So, I, I, I do not own it on mobile. Uh, I did follow a little bit. Uh, like so, so, they had that version, was it like two mm-hmm. years ago? That was a complete I remember, abomination. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, it's passable mm-hmm. now. Even if they just took that version and put it on Switch, I'd be happy. If they put the original version without even patching it, people would still be happy. They would complain, but you would still buy it. Yeah. Everyone would buy that game, yep. regardless of how bad the I port mean, is. I mean, everybody complained about some of the port oddities of Final Fantasy IX, 7, etc. Yeah. That was all sold a bunch. 
how cool would it be if they put Chrono Trigger in, but they they took off? Uh, I guess you couldn't take away the random encounters because they're you kind of see them in the in the world. But if they you know added the three times speed or they, oh you know, I, don't, I don't know what I don't know whether <laughs> kind of quality of life options you could have, but it would just be funny to see that. I mean, I'd, I'd actually say that Chrono Trigger doesn't need that. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's it, it's, it's well so well paced. But yeah, I mean, Shadows yeah. of Adam, like it's it. it uh, it's a total throwback to the 16-bit era, and if you have so much nostalgia for that, I think you'll enjoy the game. It's not great. It, it does a couple things that are neat. Like, I think the, the regenerating AP during combat is a neat thing. Um, there's some cool boss fights in that game. It's very easy to get through. The puzzles aren't all that intricate. Like, it, it's a nice kind of breezy RPG to play if you're, if you're kind of longing for that time period. That's If you're, if you're that kind of person, I, then I would recommend you get that one. Um, something I noticed about the three games, they all... Uh, so Shadows of Adam is $14.99 on the eShop. Uh, Masquerade is $19.99, and SteamWorld Quest is $24.99. So they kind of do, we, we kind of went from cheapest to most expensive, you know, a bit through total coincidence, <laughs> of course. But you know, if, if, yeah. some, if that factors into your decision, like, you know, SteamWorld Quest is a little bit more expensive than Shadows of Adam. Maybe you want something a little bit uh, less expensive, and that, that could be something that sways your decision as well. So, uh, again, yeah, I think you're right. I think these are all worth playing. Um, but yeah, you just going to kind of figure out which style works best for you. And if this, uh, I think we did a good job of explaining them all, but if you want to see them in action, there are reviews for all, all three, three on yeah. Nintendo That's world right. or NWR TV. If you go to my masquerade, uh, ignore the person in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> that person was Neil. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I, I, I feel sorry for that guy, but I'm like, Sorry, but not sorry yeah. because is that the guy asking for his uh, money back? Like he wants you to give him twenty dollars? Yeah, yeah. like no, yeah. no. Just because, just because you didn't enjoy it, that's that's on yeah. you. I'm sorry. He's asking you and not asking the developer. That's the best part. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh yeah. Yeah, I had fun, and uh, his complaints I addressed in the review. Mm-hmm. So obviously he didn't watch it that hard. Yeah. So throwing the gauntlet down. David, I'm cu- I'm curious what's. I'm curious what's next for us because I don't know um, what we're doing with with upcoming episodes or and I know E3 is around the corner and stuff like that. Like what uh, what do we have on the docket here? At some point in June, probably late June, we are planning, I think, to have a pod on Final Fantasy 12. I would say that's probably four weeks from now at, at the earliest. Yeah. Uh, I'm almost almost done. Uh, I'm probably a little past the three quarter I... mark. It is I a long it. game, and I'm like it's trying a long to speed one. It's it. a, even even with a four times speed, it's long. Oh man! But uh, I mean, I, I, a little preview to the review, I guess. Suppose is that it's it's the best version of Final Fantasy twelve. For sure. Yeah. It it's got the it's got all the things that you want quality of life. Plus, it has features that are not available on the PS4 uh-huh. or PC port. So buying it on Switch is the best place to buy it. Neil, you haven't started playing cool. it yet, but you own it. Is that right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I have the physical copy uh, because I, I, I don't know. For some reason, I spent this this past week playing some weird indie RPGs that, that <laughs> yeah, what, about. What, what were you thinking? I had a good laugh. Uh, Casey, Casey wasn't able to join us, unfortunately, tonight, but I had a good laugh with him because uh, he picked up Final Fantasy twelve, uh-huh. uh, started playing it with me, and and his uh, comment was, I'm paralyzed with choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, totally. Yeah. I felt that way. When I played a couple no, of that's what I actually. Uh, I, I I saw that. Uh, I saw that conversation and like shivered because I'm like, oh no, it's gonna happen to me. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, because now that they've opened up the job class system and you can assign anything to anyone, it, you're just like, and and it's not even like it's funny because there's I guess there's twelve there's twelve classes mm-hmm. and you get you get to the point where each character can have two classes and so you can kind of mix and match and then do do this and that. But then there's a character where you can actually go and reset everything. Yeah. So that's why you, there's no there's no need to be paralyzed by choice, right? Because they've ad- I think that's one of the things yeah. they added to the Switch version is this ability to respec so if you're not happy with your character or you want to try something new you can take away their black mage and their knight jobs and just give them two different ones right so I, they didn't have that yep. before so yeah. when i played the ps4 version maybe a year or two ago i i was definitely paralyzed because i knew that as soon as i set my jobs i i couldn't go back like this is this was it so i was like looking at guides while i was playing i was being trying to be very meticulous about what i wanted my characters to be and what i wanted my final party to be but now that with the switch version you've got this nice ability to redo it all if you don't like how your character turned out um yeah i don't think there's even that much reason to be paralyzed just choose something and if you don't like it change it later right so i'm thinking our next episode might end up being another jeopardy episode yeah i can be i can be ready for for two weeks from now if you want to do that i've, I've got i already started writing down the questions i've got all the categories uh, i'm totally jacked about it. it's gonna be fun yeah unless there's a, a listener out there who feels very passionately about an rpg that we've either played or potentially could play in the next two weeks you can send us uh, send me an email to it's David L at NintendoWorldReport.com. Um, or you can just go to NintendoWorldReport.com and you can click on my name and you can click on the send email to David and you can write out uh, your request there. Uh, or you could track us down on Twitter at the Thirsty Mage and just uh, send a DM or send a, an at and let us know if there's anything specifically that you'd like us to cover. Uh, we'd be uh, happy to do so. Uh, that, that's uh, I think that's how we got. Uh, we might be happy to do so, uh, depending on what their choice yeah. is. <laughs> I think that's how we that's how we managed to lasso everyone into Final Fantasy that's Twelve. Right. Is we had uh, we had a listener who was uh, very passionate about us talking about mm-hmm. it, and it was it was basically like a, a feathers push of uh, off the cliff for me to to discuss yeah, it. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if there's uh, anything out there, uh, let us know. Otherwise, uh, you can find us on any pod downloader of choice. We have just been added to Spotify. So if you uh, if you listen to music and you want to throw us on, if, if you've got a very uh, strong feeling against Apple and you don't want to <laughs> listen to the pod on uh, the podcast, you can just go to Spotify uh-huh. and... Uh, right now we're dominating the the, the Netherlands uh, demographic. Right <laughs> I think I think I wonder so, if it's uh, I wonder if that's Don. Don just gone around and said telling everyone to download the Thirsty Mage. You know, <laughs> so he's cre- he's created he's like he's created fan. like a family account for Spotify. He's got like ten ten <laughs> accounts all downloading us in the Netherlands. So thank thank you, Don, <laughs> yeah. if that's you. I don't know. Exactly. My my concern. So, you were asking yeah. for like people to email you. We usually do. You know, ask for requests for games. What what do people want to hear? What do people want us to talk about uh, or play along with us? Um, I wonder if someone's going to see Shadows of Adam and think, oh, man, I, may, I would like to hear about Mystic Quest. I, I, what is this Mystic Quest that people are talking about? So, uh, if, you know, if anyone feels no. so inclined, yeah, don't do not do that. But, yeah, if, if, if you wanted to see it, you know, I did. I, I, I'm sure I've mentioned a few episodes ago that I was uh, dumpster diving at my recycling depot and I put, picked up a copy of Mystic Quest. So I do have the Super Nintendo cartridge behind me and I'm, I I can boot that up if, uh, if anyone is so inclined out there. Yeah. And if you happen to pick up Shadows of Adam and you don't have a very good time and you want to chew out Jordan, you can find 
his email at nintendoworldreport.com. That's right. Or you can go to go to YouTube and tell people that you uh, you want the fifteen dollars back for the game for the <laughs> for buying the game. You know, and, uh, I'll be happy to give you David's PayPal yeah. or something like that, and we'll, we'll yeah. sort it out. Yeah. Well, don't worry about YouTube. <laughs> Just go to Twitter. That's that's where that's where complaints go to. Go oh to die, yes, so. they do. They do. That's yep. great. Alrighty. Well, I want to thank you, gentlemen, for uh, joining us for this this episode about uh, some indie RPGs. And... Of course. Yeah. It was fun. It was fun and, to just uh, shit on each other's reviews or opinions for for an hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much what it was. I mean, us- usually we just do it on we just do it in a, a chat That's room. Right. So That's it's, right. It's nice to just vocally <laughs> vocally bash each other yep. uh, in in the public sphere. So. And I think I think ultimately going on a positive yes. note. Um, Every developer of these three indie games that we talked about, their hearts were all in the right place. Absolutely, yes. They they did a good job for someone. Someone enjoyed it. That's the <laughs> that's the positive well, way. I think, I mean, Every that's one of these games, positive, one like, of us enjoyed one of these games for like three people. David, you're ru- you're <laughs> ruining Neil's sentiment. <laughs> I'm just there, saying there, there's, there's a something to be said. Yeah, no, 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 you're right. That, that that is a good thing, yeah. right? Is being able to recognize who your audience is and giving them what they want is important. I think these three games have probably managed to do that. There, if you look at these games and you kind of see a little bit of how they play, read a review or two, and this is your type of game, you should go and buy it because these are good examples within. I think they're good examples within their genre, right? Definitely not for everybody, but they are made with yeah. care and attention to detail for people who want them. So. Yeah, you know, don't don't hesitate to pull the trigger on games like this because there's might be a few things you don't like. There's a lot of positives in each of these ones. Perfect. So thanks everyone for listening, and uh, we will see everyone on the next Thursday night. Bye. Bye.